Pull up a bar stool. We're gonna go a little different direction today, and I think we're gonna go in a different direction going forward with the pubcast. In the past, I've used my blog as kind of a springboard to expand upon what's discussed there and um, to talk a little bit more about those topics from my blog. But as you may know, I've been generating audio versions of my blog posts lately, which kind of defeats the purpose of talking about those also in my podcast. So instead, I'm going to go talk about a lot of things that are more business-related generally as opposed to focus entirely on Facebook in these episodes. We'll see how it goes. Pop a bottle. Let's do it. Hey everybody, John here from JohnLumber.com and John Lumber Digital on Facebook. Here with another edition of the Social Media Pubcast where each week I invite you to the virtual pub and we get drunk on social media. This week, what are you working on? What you got? I've got a Lugine. That's L-U-G-E-N-E. I'm probably completely butchering it. Chocolate Milk Stout. Stout brewed with milk chocolate by Odell Brewing Company. If you know me, you know I love two things. I love chocolate. I love stout. <laughs> so, that appealed to me. I went to uh, the liquor store within the last couple of weeks. Um, it, I know when you listen to my podcast, you must think I'm just an alcoholic and I drink all the time. It's really not true. I drink. It's kind of part of my routine where at night I will have a beer. I, I rarely have more than a beer. But, you know, over time, that means we're talking 30 beers a month or so. Uh, but uh, so every couple of months I go restock and um, the folks at the liquor store probably thought I was crazy because I had this this cart just full of pretty much stouts, stouts and porters. And uh, it's like it's like a 130 bucks worth of beer. But and, and it's like, I'm not drinking it all today, man, I promise. So I'm all stocked up and ready to go. Raise a glass. Cheers. All right, so as I said at the front, I'm going to try to start doing things a little differently. I know, I've, I mean, I, I do often go away from Facebook and talk about things, not necessarily Facebook focused on the podcast, but I'll do a whole lot more of that now. And so what I started with to, uh, this week is I, I I wrote a post on Facebook basically saying, explaining my dilemma, right? I, I, I'm really kind of, uh, I'm, I'm searching for podcast topics, uh, do this new challenge now that I, I do audio versions of my, of my blog posts as well. So I, got, I, I was polling people for, you know, what do you want me to talk about? And I got a ton of ideas, which kind of, in a, you know, a lesson there. As always, if you ever need ideas about, you know, things that might appeal to your audience, just ask them, people. So I got a ton of great ideas, and, and some I think I'll, I will definitely refer back to in future episodes, but there are a couple of them in particular. Um, the first one comes from a friend, Jenny Brennan, who starts with, I'd love to hear how people have carved a niche within a niche. Hope that makes sense. The scariest thing to me was making the decision to stop offering two services, but as soon as I did, the floodgates opened. That's awesome. I, that's, that's one of those topics I love to talk about. 
because I have history in it. I don't really like talking about things I don't know about, um, but I have some hands-on experience with um, going niche. And, and I think I'm a pretty good example of how going niche works. When I started, I was not niche. So just a little background. And look, I'm sure you're tired of hearing my story by now. But when I started, when I launched my website, and I just started writing, I wrote about all kinds of crap. All right. So it was initially, you know, general, like looking for a job kind of stuff. Then it became more broadly social media. So Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, Google Plus, you name it. And then eventually became more broadly about Facebook. So this included Facebook for personal use. There's a lot of, um, um, uh, excuse me, privacy setting stuff that I was writing just because, you know, it's something I was comfortable in. I knew that a lot of people want to know about it and it attracts a lot of traffic. So I wrote about that. And, but then some Facebook marketing mixed in and then eventually it became more about just broadly Facebook marketing, which of course there are a lot of people doing that. And then what I attribute to the success I see now is moving on to advanced Facebook marketing, specifically ads and metrics. Okay, so now I'm going to use what I did as kind of a, a springboard for what I suggest you do and how, like by the end, I want you to, I want to go through a couple of exercises so that you can kind of think through, first of all, what are a few niches um, I should be considering? And after that, another exercise to then lay out, okay, here they are, and let's zero in on one that makes the most sense. But before we get there, why should you go niche? Yes, I've got an ex- my, my business is a really good example of why you should, but more specifically, why should you? First of all, I know there are a lot of people who, I know it's a scary thing. Trust me. I get it. Like you, if you're thinking, okay, I'm writing about Facebook. I'm writing about Twitter and Pinterest. If I only start writing about Twitter, I'm getting rid of all that potential business from Facebook and Pinterest, right? Yep, potentially. But you can't be a jack of all trades, master of none. Good quote, right? Uh, and that's essentially what I was. Uh, you know, I, I was comfortable with Pinterest and Twitter and Google Plus and all those other things. But what I was really, really good at was Facebook and Facebook marketing and the stats and the metrics and all that crazy stuff. And I was not going to separate myself by being the guy, the social media guy. Everyone's a social media person. There are billions of these people. I don't know billions, but there are lots of those people who claim to be some sort of social media consultant or expert. And I can use the other silly words that people often use. So um, the first thing is it's much, much easier to master a specific skill. Second, that leads to you can then become the go-to person for a specific problem. What happens when people are... Um, running into run into an issue with their Facebook ads. I'm not gonna say everyone does this, but a lot of people. Hey, you should go talk to John. I've been able to carve that out 
because I zero in on a very specific topic. Now, if if I was the generally Facebook guy, you may not talk to me. If I, if, if, I, if I wrote about a lot of beginner stuff, you may not talk to me. If I wrote about Twitter and Pinterest and all these things, I would probably not be, I guarantee I wouldn't be the first name that comes to your mind when you ran into a problem about Facebook ads. So you want to be that go-to person and you don't need to be the solution for all problems. Yeah, if, if you zero in on a niche um, and you get, if you no longer write about Pinterest, for example, someone has a Pinterest problem, no, they're not going to come to you anymore. But really, if you were never really the master of that topic anyway, they probably weren't coming to you anyway in the first place. So now, if, if you stake your ground and say, this is my topic, a very specific one with a very specific audience, it could be in a certain industry, um, those people who it applies to are coming to you. That's, that goes to the next thing. Now, the, the scary part about it, again, is you're eliminating potential audiences but understand, if you're the Facebook person, Google, and I'm just using this as an example. That's my industry. It's not necessarily yours. But but you can apply your own categories, whatever they are. Facebook, Google+, Pinterest, Twitter. Think about all the competition in all of those areas. Well, yes, that pie may be huge. There's also, in terms of audience, it's also huge in terms of competition. But when you zero in, you start eliminating a lot of that competition. And maybe no one else has zeroed in the way you want to zero in. So I tell you, with Facebook ads, advanced Facebook ads, and I'm going to get to this in a minute, there, wasn't, there just wasn't that competition. I, I saw that. Next, next reason, search. Oh, my goodness. And um, this is something I don't think enough people talk about. Granted. Google's like Facebook in that we don't know really how all it all how it all works. But they obviously grant authority to websites um, on a topic if they have proven to be uh, trustworthy in that topic. So if if I zero in on Facebook ads, if you have any question about, and I mention Facebook ads in every single blog post I'm writing, which I do, I don't do it on purpose for search search reasons. But when you search for Facebook ads, I'm going to come up. But if you water it down and you're writing different blog posts about widely different topics every single time, you're no longer an authority. You really aren't. So um, there are, Pretty clearly, search benefits to zeroing in on a single topic because you've written so many blog posts, there's so many indexed pages about this very specific topic, Google has no choice but to respect you. Uh, so that's pretty clear. When I, I wrote 600 blog posts over two years, now not all of them were about Facebook ads, but a very high number of them were, which... There's a reason Google sends me about 50% of my traffic. And we're talking, they may send me about 200,000 people this month. Something like that. So search. Finally, 
relevant content, plus a loyal, passionate following. If you spread it around, think about this. If you spread it around, if today you're writing about, you can use any any categories you want, but if today you wrote about Twitter, tomorrow you write about, so let's just start there. Today you write about Twitter. You've got one audience that loves that topic. They love to use Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Tomorrow you're going to write about Pinterest. A very large percentage of those people who use Twitter probably really don't care about Pinterest. You just lost that group. Now you're hoping to bring that other group back in who maybe didn't care about Twitter but cares about Pinterest. So while I get the idea, the concept of trying to reach more people, be relevant to more people, you end up becoming irrelevant to more people. It's kind of the, the, the bottom line there. For me, um, the, my, my, my target barely moves. When I'm writing my blog post, granted, this podcast is going to be like, shut up for some people. But uh, my, my content, my written content is all laser targeted. Facebook ads, Facebook measurement, all a very specific audience. If they care about one, they more than likely care about the next. As a result, they're coming back every day. They're not like, oh, skip that one. That one, I don't care what that one's about. That's stupid. I don't care about Twitter. Every single blog post I write is relevant to my target audience. Okay, so before we continue, I need a quick drink. Raise glass. Cheers. All right, so now the question becomes, how do you determine what you're going to get niche about? What is your business? And understand, you may have a business now. It may not be working very well. But you want to determine, okay, I'm ready. I'm not necessarily going to say start from scratch. But you, it may be time to redesign your business plans. So let's go through a couple of exercises. Here's, here's the first one. And the first one's all about understanding um, the type, types of niches you should be pursuing. So first of all, what are you good at or knowledgeable about? It doesn't necessarily mean this is going to be your business, but I want you to think about what you're good at or knowledgeable about. It doesn't necessarily mean you're passionate. Could be. For me, I, I think there's, actually, there's, there's something to, to be said about that because I wouldn't necessarily say, like I always laugh when people say they're passionate about social media. I guess some people may be. I don't necessarily say I'm passionate about Facebook ads. I think it's an awesome tool. I really do. But I don't go around, uh, you know, um, look, looking for people to talk about Facebook ads with. I don't know. It's, it, for me, I see passions as being like more about hobbies and things that you do in your free time as well. And you just love these things, right? Facebook ads, the Facebook ads will come and go. I think they're pretty cool. and They're awesome. They've been great for my business. And I have a lot to talk about with them. So, but anyway, number one, good at, knowledgeable about, absolutely for me, Facebook ads, Facebook in general, I think writing, social media, I could write down a whole bunch of things regarding social media, baseball, come on, baseball is one of my topics, Milwaukee Brewers, coaching Little League, maybe fatherhood, parenting, 
and say I'm necessarily good at all those things, but knowledgeable of. So that's number one. Make a list of all those things that you're good at or knowledgeable about. Try to get as specific as you can. Then number two, let's start isolating, you know, what are you passionate about? That doesn't necessarily mean eliminate those things you don't consider yourself passionate about, but it's good to, as part of this exercise, understanding what are you passionate about? Are you passionate about your family, your spouse, your kids? What is it? What are the things that you look forward to in life? Traveling. And again, it could be many of the same things that came up in the first part of the exercise. It doesn't have to be. But keep that list going. Number three, when you think about your business, writing, uh, communicating, working with customers, what is your target audience in your mind when you see these people? What are they passionate about? What are their questions? What do they need help with? That's number three. Number four. Where are the opportunities? So this was, this was important for me in my evol- evolution. I was about to say evolvement. Evolution. Drink another beer here. Huh? Um, because I saw, I saw the opportunity. So back when I was just like, uh, and I, I was starting to get niche. I was the a Facebook marketing guy. I just, but there were a bunch of those. I wanted to be at the time, and I kid Mari Smith about this. I, I bring it up every once in a while. I wanted to be the male Mari Smith. Not that I want, I'm going to suddenly be Scottish and uh, say we and all those things that she does. Um, only I wanted to be the next... Like there was no male version, like a very uh, popular, followed uh, Facebook marketing expert. Uh, there was a counterpart to Mari Smith. So first of all, I wanted, I, I saw that as an opportunity, and I still see that as an opportunity. Second, I saw very few people writing about advanced Facebook ads topics. Very few, which I found curious, and I. I still see an opportunity there today. I see uh, Dennis Yu. Um, Dennis Yu and Alex Hogg. Uh, they definitely do it. Otherwise, there's not much. There's not much. And um, another opportunity I saw was Power Editor. Like It was a tool I used every day, but no one, was, no one talked about it. No one talked about how to create ads using Power Editor. I'm still curious as to why so few people write about Power Editor. And that ended up being my baby when it came down to it. It's like that was my first course and it really being known as the Power Editor guy. I mean, if you want to talk about niche, that's as niche as it gets. Now, I don't want to be the Power Editor guy necessarily because that can go away in a heartbeat. But um, it definitely helped me get, make a name, build a name for myself. So that's four. Where are, the, where are the opportunities? And those are three places I saw that were pretty obvious opportunities um, in terms of you know, there's just no one filling this need right now. That, that's what you should be thinking about. And number five, what niche? This might be the most important here. What niche requires an investment? 
Boom. Important. When I started, I did not think about this at all. And when I think about all my failed business endeavors in the past, it's because I skipped this important number. Example. When I I had like a side project years ago where I wanted to retell, because again, and we were going through this list, I satisfied a lot of these things, passionate about baseball, passionate about stats, passionate about the history of the baseball, passionate about the Milwaukee Brewers, okay, great stuff, uh, passionate about social media, so I read, and I'm passionate about writing, I retold historic, quote unquote, Milwaukee Brewers baseball seasons in real time, no one else was doing it. I don't think anyone's still doing it, but I, I thought it was an amazing concept, and I, and the people who followed it loved it too. But the niche itself required no investment whatsoever. People could follow it. People who follow baseball aren't necessarily shelling out money. There's nothing unique about my target audience that would say these people would pay for something that I offer. Ads, though. Completely different story. If you're paying for ads, you have established that you're willing to make an investment for your business. Not only that, but it is going to be important to you that you spend your money wisely on these ads. As a result, you will be willing to pay for a one-on-one, willing to pay for a training course to make sure that you stop wasting your money. You start making more money with those Facebook ads. So that, that may be the most critical of all, making sure that whatever niche you choose requires those people you're targeting, they're already spending money. You can't, I mean, don't get me wrong. There is a market out there for people who want crap for free. And you know, then you're doing a lot of affiliate stuff with coupons and all that stuff. That's there. But in general, if your target audience is the cheapskates, and sorry, some of the small business owners out there who are high maintenance and don't want to spend money, the people who are always looking for free, like I used to write, oh man, embarrassed of this now. I used to write articles, blog posts about how you can get free Facebook ads coupon codes. I still get people messaging me about these stupid free coupon codes. Stupid. Why should that be your target audience? Those people don't want to spend money. So focus on the people who want to spend money. Think about the niche that requires some sort of investment. All right? So when you're done with this exercise, we'll move on to the next exercise. But in order to get there, we need a little help. Get a quick drink. Cheers. Okay, so now you've got your list of potential niches. And I want you to now pers- uh, move on to the next exercise, which I think will help you zero in even more. So number one, keep that first exercise in mind. What are you good at? What are you passionate about? What requires an investment? Also, what you know? where are the opportunities? Those are important too. Um, what, what's your audience passionate about? Keep that in mind. Let's, let's now though, number two, Assemble a basic list 
of these passions. Three of these passions. Zero in on them. Zero in on them. Three niche topics. Number three, assemble a list of questions under each one that addresses simple problems you can address, you can answer. Don't stop. You know, I talk about a lot of times how I'm from the Marcus Sheridan school of blogging. Here's an example. This is classic Marcus Sheridan um, niche finding blog topic, finding whatever, discovery, whatever you want to call it. Where he will say, if you need something to write about, listen to your customers. Sit down, and this is in particular, especially if you're a salesperson, sit down and write down all the questions, the very specific questions you get from customers and potential customers. Write those down. So what I want you to do is looking at each of the three main niche categories you had isolated, assemble as long of a list as you can of all the interesting questions that you could address that apply to each one of those niches, those niche categories. Make sense? I think you know where we're headed on this one. When, when Now, this should take you some time. Don't feel like you can write five questions for each one and you're done. No. Don't limit yourself either. Set aside an hour or so, maybe longer. And if, like, if I were to sit down and write a list of questions regarding Facebook ads right now, oh my goodness. If you need inspiration, go back to emails. Look at things that, look at the tools you use every day that you could write specific questions about. That's how I actually assemble my training courses. I go, I actually, like for Power Editor, I walk through Power Editor and write down every single feature I see, every single question people may have. That's the foundation. So similarly, this will be your foundation. Um, look for inspiration anywhere you can, but assemble this list of questions that you can answer, problems you can solve, your target audience you have re- related to each one of those three niches. Number four, which list is longer? Which list is more interesting to you? Because ultimately, look, First, if, you, if, you, if you've got what you think is a great niche and you've got five questions, and you exhaust those five questions and blog topics, and you're like, oh, crap. Now what am I going to write about? You don't want that to happen. For me, I feel like I'll never run out of blog post topics. Not only is Facebook constantly making changes, but there's just so many questions floating around I can address. So you want that, that list to be long. It's got to be easy to assemble it. But it's also got to be interesting to you. If you're writing a list of a hundred things, but you're like this, oh, I don't even, I can't even imagine writing about that. I don't want to write about that. It puts me to sleep thinking about it. Probably not the best niche for you. And which has a longer shelf life? Granted, probably not the Facebook ads, right? Um, it helps. It's not a prerequisite. It helps. If the content you're going to write, a lot of it can be evergreen. So it's valuable today and it's valuable a year or two or three from now. Beautiful for Google Juice, right? Um, Not required. Obviously, I feel like the 
a, a month after I write anything these days about Facebook ads, it's no longer relevant. But get my point. It's easier for you, less stress on you, if you can write stuff that will continue to be relevant into the future. Which is most likely to be read by people willing to make a financial commitment? Again, we go back to that number five from uh, the, the prior exercise. This is important. You can't, I mean, filling a need is one thing. It's good to fill needs. And if there are opportunities out there to write a lot of content that people care about, here's the issue. If all you get is traffic, you're relying entirely on revenue in the forms of sponsorships and affiliate marketing. It's not necessarily awful, right? Um, you can make a living off of it, but you've got to have monster traffic. What I'm glad I'm I'm really happy that I'm at the point where I don't need affiliates. I don't excuse me. I don't need to be an affiliate of another product or business. I don't need sponsors on my site. With all that traffic that I'm getting, I then funnel them to my products. So you got to think about that. Um, then you're not sharing your money because otherwise you're selling for other people. You get you know just the cut from the bottom. Create your own products. If your content is um, relevant to an audience of people who want to invest in something, then that's perfect. It's perfect for creating products that apply to them. And then you reap those rewards. You collect those revenues. You collect 100% unless you bring in your own affiliates, which, by the way, keep an eye out. I'm, I'm going to start my own program soon. But uh, so that, that that's it. That's it. So um, there's a lot to go over here. And I, I, sent, I encourage you to go back and look at it again. Um, because there were two exercises in here to kind of help you figure it out. But I'd love to hear from you um, in terms of if you learn anything new, if there's something else you should be focusing on for your business. And I get it. It's scary. It's really scary. But you know what's more scary? Continuing the status quo where you're working, working way too hard for not enough money and um, you're scraping by. That's no longer acceptable, and I think this exercise will help you. All right, let's raise a glass to that. Cheers. All right, so I had another just uh, another question I wanted to address from somebody. This one's obviously much quicker, but it came from Beth HR, and she gave me a list of, of things she wanted me to talk about, but one of them was knowing when and how to delegate, delegate for business growth. And again, I love to answer these questions that I can you know, pull from my own experiences because I would not consider myself a business expert by any means. I had no clue what I was doing when I started my business. And one of my problems early on was not delegating, not paying for others to do things and uh, kind of spinning my wheels and not growing. However, I would say, in, there, I mean, there are two, two ways to, to really do it. Um, you can... You could take a, a riskier approach, admittedly, where you were investing before uh, you need to, right? So out of the gates, you're like, oh, I know these other people can do this better than me. I'm not making the income yet, but I know I'll make more money if I invest in these people. 
and you, you start paying them. Um, personally, I don't, I don't do it that way because what I don't want to do is, for example, bring on new people to help, start paying them, and then quickly realize it's, it's not resulting in the added revenue I wanted, and then I have to cut them off, and I can't keep paying them. So here, here's what I did. Like if you go back through the history of my business, I used to do everything myself, everything, and that included just stuff I never should have ever done, which is like uh, the design work and logo, like a horrible logo I, I did at first. Um, I created ads, I think even. Stupid, but in the beginning when I had no budget, I made do, okay? Over time... Um, I got to the point where I was so freaking busy that I was slowing my own business's growth. Right? I wasn't making money. Um, I wasn't making enough money. I started to make some money, but I was slowing the growth of my business because I couldn't do more stuff. Additionally, if there's someone else who can do a task better than you, improving your product... And freeing you up to, to, to be more effective elsewhere, it's also the time you should be looking to delegate. So um, look, at, look at for examples for me. The, the first was design, right? Um, I was having a lot of issues with design on my site. Like, I, yeah, I had a great logo eventually created by someone else. Um, but every time I wanted to say, uh, create new Facebook ads, or if I wanted to um, create a Facebook tab, or if I wanted to, oh, like the featured images on my blog post, because I was struggling with what to use there, and I knew I needed something that was 20%, follow the 20% text rule, and so I couldn't really use screen grabs all the time, and so I had an issue, it was a bottleneck, and I decided um, I was going to hire someone who could do that for me. So Leah, I don't know if you're listening, but uh, Leah has been an awesome designer for me. I pay her a set rate one, every month where she's doing some design pro- projects for me. So first of all, it looks way, way better. And also frees me up so I'm not trying to create these stupid things and spinning my wheels. So that's the first. Second, podcast. This podcast um, this podcast, I wouldn't say necessarily results in direct revenue. I'm sure it does, but I'm, I haven't really tracked it, that, and that's embarrassing to say. But it's like recording it, easy. Editing it takes time. And make, make it interesting, adding sound effects, um, getting the levels right, all that stuff. I am no expert on audio. So my friend Dan, Dan Jost... Uh, brought brought him into the mix. Actually, I think he was the first one I brought in. And as a result, my, not only is my podcast better, but I'm able to focus more of my time that I was spending on editing my podcast and all those things to writing and creating products. Uh, the next is for me, um, video. So I think this, this may be the best example because of the amount of time associated with video. Plus, you really need some expertise. Like I, my, my I evolved quite a bit in my use of video. Like initially, it was just me talking head, 
looking at my my um, cam on my computer, horrible horrible quality. I got a lot of help, bought a new, invested in a new camera, set up a new studio and all that stuff. So did that. That was an initial invest, investment. But when all that was done, there's so much editing that went into creating a polished product. It's something that I wasn't very good at, and it took so much time. And then when I started creating my training courses, it just... It was so overwhelming, it became one of those um, roadblocks where it's just, it really slowed me down and it added stress that I didn't need. So I hired a friend, Jesse. Jesse now edits all my videos. Um, but I knew that, first of all, there was also some direct revenue associated with videos because it was for part of my training courses. So I'll make my training courses better. Um, as a result of Jesse doing these videos for me. But also, like I know the power of video in YouTube, so to create uh, video blogs, while I still haven't done quite enough of that, frees me up, though, to do... I can record more video now if I know that I don't need to edit it and I have someone else who can do it for me. Um, But also, and then finally, my good friend April, if you've ever sent me a message through my site, you know who April is. Oh my goodness, she came on at the perfect time. Again, when you've got stuff, when, you, when you've got tasks that make you so busy that you can't spend time making money, it's time to delegate. And I brought her on at the perfect time. It just exploded after she came on. And maybe part of the reason it exploded was because I was getting that help to focus elsewhere. But she handles all my requests. People contacted me through my site. Uh, making sure the my one-on-ones are set up appropriately. I was wasting so much time on those things, not focusing on things that could make me money. So again, I knew it was absolutely required that I find someone else who could do that for me. Um, because if I were doing all these things now, it'd be one of two things. I would go crazy because I didn't have the time, or I'd have to start cutting things off, and I wouldn't be able to make money. So that's what I did. So Beth HR, great, great question about delegating and business growth. That's what I do. doesn't necessarily make it right, but hopefully you can learn from my experiences. All right. So that's all the time we have for today. I have asked our uh, bartender for the tab. I will take care of you again, my friend. Just promised me that number one, you're gonna get more niche. Number two, you're gonna start investing in some help and delegating. Get 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 spread out some of this work you've been doing. Give it to people. Give it to people who can do it better than you, so you can focus on making money. All right, good deal. So thanks again for being on uh, this week's podcast. For tuning in, grabbing a beer, sitting back, and uh, just shooting the stuff right with me at the virtual pub make sure you check out the show notes on this one just go to johnlimber.com and uh, at the top there's like a multimedia podcast link go there and we'll break down this show until next time do awesome things I'm out